On today's episode of the show, I do a bit of storytelling. I am back in Aruba after having lived in Sweden for almost an entire year now, and it hasn't exactly been smooth sailing arriving back here. We left escaping mold madness a year ago, and strangely, we ended up landing right back in mold madness, which just shows us that we need to do healing on that deep level. If we don't, the universe is going to put us right back in that same place please. I hope you enjoy this episode, this little trip down memory lane. Let's dive in. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Hello, hello, my darlings. Welcome back to the Yoga Girl podcast. I have to preface this show and say, I think, I hope not, but I think it might be a little bit echoey. If I showed you a picture of where I'm sitting right now, you would absolutely laugh. I am sitting in, it's just an empty room. It's really an empty shell of a room. I have no furniture here. I don't have any carpets or rugs, nothing to absorb the sound. So I've done my very best and kind of hung sheets and towels and fabric all over the windows and the doors. It looks ridiculous, hoping that I could kind of minimize the echo a little bit, but I don't think I did a perfect job. So if this episode isn't as perfect, because of course, normally we have perfect, perfect sound, I apologize. (laughs) But yeah, so why, why am I sitting in an empty shell of a room? Why am I sitting here in this little echo chamber, (laughs) this little echoey space. We are in Aruba. We are in Aruba. We are on the island. We are back on the island where Dennis spent his whole entire life, you know, moving to Sweden. It's the first time he's ever lived away from Aruba in his life. And I lived here for 12 and a half years. So it's almost exactly a year ago that we moved. We've been living in Sweden now for 11 months. And it's our first time back here as a family. (laughs) And 
it's already a journey. <laughs> of course, I mean, of course, anyone who's ever moved away from anywhere knows the feeling of coming back for the first time. It's always emotional. And for me, it's been really, truly a spiritual experience, this return. I've had a lot of a lot of realizations and just things affirmed to me. And it's been so far beautiful and hard and, and everything in between. So we are in a new house that we bought. And it sounds like this big news of right now, but this was actually a year, more than a year ago, um, we actually bought this little house. And the reason I haven't told anybody about it, like literally my my dad, when we were flying here, he's like, oh, that's going to be so fun. You guys going back to your, to, to your house in Alto Vista, which is the area of the island where our, our old house is. It's going to be so wonderful. It's going to be so healing for you to be back there. And I'm like, no, that house is rented. We're going to stay in the other house. He was like, the other house? We apparently didn't tell anybody. <laughs> like, We apparently didn't tell anybody that we got this little house. The reason we didn't do it, it's because we've been kind of fighting about it. <laughs> It's been a little bit of a point of contention in our marriage. It's been one of those big decisions that we didn't truly actually make as a couple from a grounded place. I'm going to tell you the whole story because we're in a very different place about it now. But there is a reason why I didn't, you know, a year and a half ago go, Ooh, oh my God, I'm so excited. We found this little fixer upper that we're going to renovate. No, I wasn't. I wasn't excited. So I haven't told you, but I'm going to tell you now. Um, so we left here a year ago. And if I look back, which I've done a lot these past couple of days since we since we got here, if I look back at where we were a year ago, like where we were as a family, how we were doing, where I was inside of myself, where Dennis and I was in our marriage as a couple, I mean, we were miles away. We've been miles away. I mean, literally and figuratively. It's just a very, very different, different experience. So one year ago, we were just coming out of, I think, eight or nine months, nine months of moving and shuffling from place to place. We were borrowing houses and rentals from friends. We were going from Airbnb to Airbnb, trying to figure out a rental, of course, because we we found out that we had very toxic, dangerous, terrible mold growing in the entire roof of our house. Um, and there was other reasons as to why we moved in the end, but that was really the big now. It was the thing that kind of lit a fire up our butts and, and made us go, okay, we have to, it's time to move now. Because um, we'd been talking for a long time about maybe or maybe not moving and maybe at some point going to Sweden and what are we going to do when Leia goes to school? But none of us thought that we would overnight have to leave our beloved home uh, where we had been for almost a decade. You know, we love, love this home more than anything else, but that's what happened. And as one can imagine, I mean, going through that just overnight, really losing our, losing our home, uh, it was not, not a fun, not a fun experience for us. And wasn't an easy thing for me and Dennis to navigate. And I talked about this a lot. If you heard any of the podcast episodes from last year between, I guess, March through November, <laughs> it's like a dark time for the podcast. <laughs> of course, like the dark times in my life are going to be dark times on the pod. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of me just kind of sharing what was going on and the highs and the lows and the deeper lows and 
I was really sick and totally depressed and so anxious and not knowing what to do. It was just a really hard time. So if you heard any of the episodes, then you, you already know all about this. But as we moved, it wasn't really until we moved and we found a, more of a sense of permanence, you know, getting to Sweden, finding our little cabin in the woods, even though we knew this is not our permanent place for the rest of our lives. The house is way too small for that. It's not, it wasn't the big dream, but it was a place of refuge, you know, a, a place of peace, a place of reprieve, like just a, a place to ground in the midst of just the most chaotic time and a place to settle finally. Um, so it wasn't really until, until we landed in Sweden that we were able to begin picking up the pieces of everything that had happened in the past year. We really were, for the better part of a year, in survival mode, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to live, not knowing who to be, and not agreeing on what was going on and what was happening. And it, it was, it's such a bizarre experience. And the only times I've ever really felt seen and held in sharing the story has really been talking to other families who, who've gone through the same thing which there's actually a ton of people, ton of people who have been through this, but it's really not the norm, not the normal. We don't have any um, couple friends, no one in our family. You know, we have one single friend of ours um, that has been through the same thing that has also been been really sick with mold illness. She's been the only one, even though I have great friends and and family and people I can talk to, but she has been the only one that I have really been able to to share for real and feel truly seen by because... She knows. She's not just trying to understand, which most people who haven't experienced mold are, you know, compassionate to a certain point, <laughs> trying to understand. You know, for most people, it's like, mold is not that bad. Like, doesn't everybody just have mold at some point? And don't you just put Clorox on it and it goes away? And mold doesn't make you sick. I mean, there's just a lot of misconceptions about how dangerous mold is and how sick it can make you. And especially if you're exposed to to it for years and years, which we were in the family. But it's really only whenever we've spoken to other people who've been through the same thing that, that I feel like someone understands. Because it's a bizarre, bizarre situation to be in. It wasn't like our house burned to the ground. It felt like that. That was the feeling for a lot of months until we were able to remediate. So many people told us we wouldn't be able to. So many agencies said we couldn't. Uh, we got quotes from remediation agencies that was like 50% of the value of the whole house. You know, it was like bizarre, bizarre numbers that we could never, ever figure out, you know. And um, until we found out that there was a way and we found a path forward to remediate. And, you know, we had to take the whole entire, we had to get rid of the whole entire roof of the house. And it, it took months and months and months, like what we had to do. But until we found out that there was a path, it felt like our house had burned to the ground. That was the feeling, except we, of course, didn't get the sympathy or the understanding of someone who's been through that, right? Which is, of course, in a gazillion ways, so much worse. Like our house still stands. But that was the feeling. That was the emotional turmoil. That was the feeling of loss that we were going through. But it was just very hard to, to explain. And for me personally, because I was the one who knew, you know, like Dennis didn't know, Dennis didn't want to know, Dennis didn't really want to get into it. And I was for years feeling like something's not right here. You know, like, well, we'd have people visit, like my sister would visit. And every time she would step into the house, she would get super sick. 
get asthma, cough, have to go to the hospital. They would tell her she has pneumonia every time. And then she would go home and she'd be fine. And then she'd come visit and she'd get sick. And that happened in cycles again and again to a point where like she didn't want to come visit us anymore because every time. And we, we, would, we would always say, well, it's the AC. You know, sleeping in AC, living with air conditioning, it's so bad for you. And she must have very sensitive, like a sensitive respiratory system. She just can't deal with AC. But that wasn't it, right? <laughs> She's just a sensitive person who couldn't deal living with mold, like which kind of a lot of people are. I have realized I am not a sensitive person. I was just exposed for almost a decade and that made me really sensitive. But now that I've met so many other people who've been through the same thing, I realize I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm in the sturdier part of the spectrum. Um, I, I could have been way worse and way more sick than I actually was. But because I was the one with the bad feeling, right? I was the one with the intuition about it. I was the one pulling at all the threads, basically. It's just I wouldn't take no for an answer. I just, I couldn't accept the fact that, no, everything's fine because I felt, I didn't feel fine. Nothing was fine. So when I arrive at the place of, oh, we got these test results back, it's max terrible level, like evacuate, get out of your house now. I had already been in that mindset for a long time. I had already done the research for a long time. Dennis, my darling husband, it was really like, yeah, for him, I think much more as if like he woke up and the house is on fire. And imagine like it's not just waking up and your house is on fire, but you're waking up and your wife is telling you the house is on fire, but you look at the house and you can't see a fire. <laughs> imagine that. Like imagine your wife's like the house is on fire. We're going to die if we stay here. Like this is like we're living in poison. This is toxic. It's, it's killing us. And you're like, I can't see it, you know. So I, I have full understanding for that. This was really, 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 really hard for him and took, it took him a long time to wrap his head around, of course, as anyone would if they weren't in that same place. But what happened in our relationship was that those months, those eight or nine months of, of being, um, yeah, being between homes or being uprooted also while dealing with these horrible health issues, um, we weren't really a team. And I've really been able to, to grasp that now, like since being in Sweden and coming back to a more grounded place, that feeling of it's us against whatever thing is challenging. It's not me against him or him against me around the thing that's, that's, that's difficult. You know, it's like us against the heavy stuff, which is the feeling we've always had and shared in our, in our 12, yeah, it's almost 13 years of being together. And, um, and we didn't have that, like that whole time. It was just, it was, we've never fought more. We've never been through a, a more challenging space in our relationship. I felt gaslighted all the time, um, which I was, and not just by him, but by so, almost every single person I met, including doctors and people telling me there was nothing wrong with me and just, I should just accept being this sick is, is no problem. And you know, I, it was very, very lonely for me. And the person I wanted to support me the most wasn't understanding because he literally didn't understand. You know, like he did his best, right? But that whole time, like when we came to the time of finally moving, it was, oh God, like we were not in a good place. And <laughs> I look at us now, like it's been a year and it's been an interesting, an interesting year. It's really been a quiet year. 
it's been a year of, of, of walking through the woods together, a year of neither of us having to wake up in the morning to like rush away to meet deadlines and figure things out and put out fires here and there and yeah, like take on these crazy engagements. Like it hasn't been that. We've had a very, probably the least going from the most stressful year of our lives to having that stress sort of dissipate and just gradually go all the way down to zero. Where the past few months, you know, we've been able to really wake up in the morning together and just, hey, <laughs> even feeling a sense of peace and the rush of getting Leah to school and having just the, the blessing of being able to sit down and have a one hour breakfast together every single day alone. Like we've had a lot of really beautiful rituals and routines that we do together, which we just haven't had in so long. Like, and a lot of that is, yeah, it's of course, thanks to changing our lives completely, not just through the move, but slowing down and working in a different way and obviously living in a different place, not having the studio and a restaurant and a gazillion things to, to get to, like waking up, living in Aruba, where we had all of these physical brick and mortar businesses here that every day was a, a race right? I mean, every day could be a peaceful day, but every day could be a race, depending on what you chose to pick up. There was always something. Yeah, of course, there's always like things to manage. I mean, they, they, we had way more responsibilities then. And now waking up in our little cabin after driving Leah to school, both of us have been just in very different places of, okay, well, what do you want to focus on today? And <laughs> having that crazy privilege of being able to really choose and decide and follow a little bit more of what we feel and what we need. So arriving here, yeah, it's been, it's really shown me the stark contrast and just how much healing we've done over the past year, which has been really beautiful. And at the same time, <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you what happened when we landed. At the same time, so we're in a steadier place than we've been in a really long time. We were even... I can't remember what this was about. It was like a certain topic or a certain thing, maybe a person that talked to, I can't remember, but like a week or two ago, I said, well, maybe like if we ever like go to therapy together, because we've talked about doing that for so long. Last year was really the, yeah, <laughs> we realized we are going to need, we have to do some sort of couples therapy to work our way through this stuff. So we really we had that commitment with each other. He's super open to it. I'm super open to it. We didn't want to go to someone in Aruba because the island's so small. It just doesn't feel, and it's not really a safe space. Everyone tells everybody everything here. And just Dennis always said like he could never go to a therapist, like a physical person here, which I get. It's a tiny, tiny island. But we had that plan. Like when we moved to Sweden, we have options. Like, yeah, we should for sure go. Just it's good. Like the same way I go to therapy once a week, he goes to therapy. He kind of has stopped now, but he took a break over the summer, but I think he's going to pick it back up. Like we should do that together. That makes so much sense to invest in your relationship like that. The same way I'm investing in myself, like going to therapy every week, of course. And then we just didn't go. <laughs> I think we just got, yeah, busy with the move and settling into this new life. And I think we stopped fighting immediately the moment we we moved to Sweden. It's just things got so much easier and so much better between us. We, I mean, of course, we have struggles and challenges like every 
couple, but we got out of that horrendous time where we really felt like everything was a fight. And then I think we lost the urgency of that need of what we need to talk to someone. So we just ended up not going. And then a week or two ago, we started talking about it. And I said, well, maybe when, like when we, we find a good therapist and we start, we go like that, we could like talk about that thing. And then it was like, what? Like, you still feel like we need to go? Like, we're in such a good place. Like, everything's so chill. Everything's so good. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know. But that's probably a good time to go. It's probably a really good idea to go when you feel like things are steady and solid so that you have a foundation. Because, of course, shit is going to hit the fan eventually. And, like, that's what relationships are. And you're going to have or we're going to have another challenging time eventually, of course. You know, so, like, maybe we should still go. And he was like, we don't need it. Like, we're, we're doing so great. And it's true. We really are doing so great. And then, let me tell you, <laughs> we land at Aruba Airport. <sighs> okay, I'm going to tell you the story now, the story of how we landed here, which I, I cannot believe that this is what happened. But so basically, okay, just, just like a little refresher, we left a year ago. And what we left was like mold madness. So not only having to evacuate our home and like losing our home for months and months on end, not knowing if we'd get our home back. Then we found out that we could remediate, went through the process, working with people from abroad and local people here, bringing in, importing all the materials needed, and then doing the physical work of remediating the entire house. So remediation is when you clean a whole entire house from mold. It's not just removing the sources of mold. Like that sounds really simple. If you have a like say there's like mold under your sink in the kitchen, like just, you know, there's no way you can just clean that, by the way, just so everyone's really well aware. If you have mold growing in materials, like somewhere, like if it's wood, you have to rip that wood out. If it's cinder block, you can't clean that. You have to take that out. Um, you have to like physically remove the building materials. You have to take the walls down, right? And often, not here as much, but houses in colder climates and stuff, they have insulation, they have like crazy different kinds of materials than here, which can be even more complicated, just layers of different things. In many cases, you have to completely, it's kind of like a complete remodel of the of the home. You can't just get rid of the sources of mold, which, for, which was for us literally tearing out every piece of material of from the, yeah, from the base of the third floor and up. <laughs> We had like a, it was a three story house, but it was kind of two and a half floors ish. But yeah, everything had to go. But then because mold creates these little mold spores that travel through air, um, carrying mycotoxins, which are these tiny little super toxic things that are wrapped in a little, they're wrapped in a little thing of oil, which is the most bizarre thing. So they're kind of like, you can't see them. They're as small as a Corona virus. Um, but they stick to stuff. So if you have mold in the roof, you have mold in your whole house. If you've had mold for years and years and years, the way we have, and especially if you have an HVAC system or an AC system, you're circulating that moldy air all through the house. Like everything in the house is contaminated with mycotoxins. So you have to not just remove all the materials and the source of mold and of course fix the reason of it, which was for us that we had leaks in the roof that we didn't know existed. But you have to remediate your whole entire house, which is this crazy, I don't even know how many steps there is to this process. It's not just putting in one of those fumigation things. Um, yeah, but it, there's a lot of things you have to do. And we had to import all of these materials and then paint the whole 
inside of the new roof with this like yeah it's okay it's 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 complicated but it was a really big thing so we went through that whole thing and then all we did right was talk about mold (laughs) for almost a year all we talked about like there was even when we tried to let go and to move on something else it's just we kept talking about there was no way not to talk about mold all the time We had to get rid of all of our belongings, everything that couldn't be meticulously cleaned in a four-step mycotoxin removal process, (laughs) which is one of the most absurd things I have ever done in my entire life. Everything that couldn't be cleaned in that four-step process had to be thrown away, which included 90% of everything we owned. So we had to, you know, put on these like hazmat suits and these crazy you know, one of those like face gas masks that you would wear if there's like a nuclear bomb, like one of those and goggles and gloves and boots and go through the whole entire house, knowing the house is contaminated with mold, knowing I'm really sick. I mean, it was just psychologically a really horrible experience and it's a million degrees hot because it's Aruba, right? And we had to go through the whole entire house, house by house, closet by closet. And we had lived there for almost a decade. We had a garage, we had a shed, we had a side apartment. I mean, we had there was a lot, we had a lot of stuff that we had accumulated throughout the years. And decide for each item that we owned, and I'm talking every time, every piece of clothing. I'm talking every toy every tiny little like every wire you've ever had to any of your electrical stuff every letter anyone's ever sent you every piece of paper every piece of jewelry every furniture like everything we owned (laughs) this really was a bizarre experience every single thing we owned we had to physically touch or we got to physically touch which was actually pretty beautiful I, for me, it was a big epiphany of realizing how many things I owned that I was accumulating and that was taking up space, physical space in my house, energetic space in my brain, emotional space in my heart that I had even com- either completely forgotten about or that I hadn't even picked up to hold in the past year. You know, things that at some point had meaning but definitely didn't anymore, right? Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So we got to go through that process and then anything that couldn't be cleaned, which includes everything that is porous. So yeah, mattresses, couches, pillows, duvets, covers, jackets, um, shoes, purses, anything, anything that wasn't, you know, anything thicker than like a 
quarter of an inch, I guess, like a t-shirt you can, you can clean a thick sweater, very, 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 very challenging jacket, impossible. Um, you know, leather shoes, never, never, ever, uh, things you can clean include like non-porous objects. So things you can wipe down, like, uh, drinking glasses, a silverware, um, furniture that has like a very lacquered finish, not raw wood. No, absolutely not enough for wood. You can't save anything. And we had to learn all this stuff and then go through all of these things. And then 90% of everything we owned ended up in this huge container outside of our house. I mean, this process. And I think about that now because I'm here now. And Dennis and I never sat down with anybody to talk about this. (laughs) It was a really traumatic experience, but it was like slow moving trauma. It wasn't just something that happened one day. Like if your house would burn down, super traumatic thing. And then the next day, it's like that happened. And now now you process it. This was like your house was burning for nine months. And then you ended up being able to put out like most of the fire. But now the rest of your life is kind of ashes. And then we just like didn't talk about that. (laughs) I mean, it's really bizarre. It really, really is. But I think because we went, it it took so long. And then every day because we kept having to go back and forth to the house from our rental anytime one of us mostly him because I would like stay away from the house as much as I could he would go back to fix something or to meet with a contractor or to get something that was really important he could not enter the new house like he could not enter the moldy house and then go back to the rental and just walk in with all his clothes like no no way because you pick up mycotoxins being in a moldy house And this was really critical and really bizarre, like really, really, really bizarre. And we had consults and people that we were paying to work with to to help us kind of get through this, this weird and bizarre time. But so that meant every time that he did that, he would need to strip down completely naked, leave his clothes in like a black garbage bag, tie it up real tight. Um, He had special shoes that he would leave at the old house that he would put on when he walked into the house and then he would clean his feet. And then, you know, and this still involved like using our car. It was just, I mean, if you can just like imagine the meticulous insanity of this, every little thing. And because I was the one who was so sick, I was the one who was hyper vigilant about everything. And it's just every moment of the day was like a potential fight about something, you know, and, and him not really like kind of playing along because he got it, especially when we were talking to all these experts and people who literally like their whole lives is remediation and, or doctors whose like main work is helping people heal from mold. Like he understood on this mental logical level that yes, this is happening, but emotionally he wasn't there, right? He hadn't caught up. It was way too fast and it was way like he is a cancer moon. There's no sign in the Zodiac that's more nostalgic about things, Like he's so very attached to stuff, always has been. Like the man won't throw away a receipt if he like remembers something special from the time that we bought that thing. Like he's very, very sentimental and nostalgic and finds meaning in things. So for him, this was just like the perfect trifecta of the worst thing ever. And as we go through all these things, finally, when we had like distinguished, okay, here are the things that we can save we had to store those things somewhere, right? Knowing that they are all contaminated. They're all like moldy, you know, but we have to clean them in this process and we have to do that. 
like him and I had to do that ourselves. And then when they were clean, they had to go into these other boxes and we had to make sure we, we didn't cross contaminate anything. And then the clean things could go into our final Airbnb where we were. And then we were kind of doing this process like back and forth, like it was just so bizarre. So by the time, anyway, I'm painting this picture just to kind of show you how insane and just bizarre this whole time was. And at the same time, I am, I'm like throwing up phlegm. <laughs> I'm so sick. I'm having these crazy detox symptoms. Leia is still, I mean, she, she was totally covered in eczema still. Like really, yeah, couldn't breathe through her nose, coughing at night. Like, and he never had any of those physical symptoms. He had more mental and psychological symptoms. But yeah, everything was just so bad, right? And it's all because of mold. And every path we went down related back to the mold. Every conversation we took or we had related back to the mold. So when we left Sweden, we left the mold, right? We're done. Then is cried on the plane because we were done. Like we really were done. The house was remediated. Everything was thrown away. Every piece of furniture that we were able to save, we had saved and cleaned. I mean, he had, no, that's not what happened. Is it what happened? Wait, let me think. Yes, that's true. Because he, we, me and Leia went to Sweden for three months alone while he stayed behind to remediate the house. So yes. So we sat down on the plane. He's so relieved. Like we we're never going back to this. Like this is over. And it was, right? It totally was. Like now we have like a house that we're not living in. And I don't know if mentally I would be able to move back permanently into the home, even though I know like with a new testing that we've done, like the house is great. The house is super safe. The house is new. It's like we have a new house there. Everything inside is new. I mentally for me would be a, a big, like I could go and stay a week or two, like no problem, like coming back to Aruba, but living there, it would take a, yeah, I would need to really, really, yeah, I think overcome some stuff because it, it's, I, I have some PTSD from this time for sure. But we left and we went to Sweden and then that was it, right? We, we left the mold. But here's the thing. Anytime anything has come up whenever we've been in Sweden that relates to mold in any way, we, we can't manage. I don't know how to explain it. It's like this point in our relationship, this area in our relationship and of our past that we can't touch. And because we don't have any mold issues now, like we don't have to talk about it. Right. But sometimes something comes up and it's like something we had to throw away and we're like reminded of that, or we were missing something or needing something. And then and then I can tell Dennis just like shuts down the conversation right away. You know, um, we had this thing happen at the end of the summer. Um, Dennis took the boat out of the water. Um, we have a little boat at the, at the new house and, um, and brought it up. It was like a whole process, of course, to get the boat out. It took a whole day and the boat has this kind of cover in Sweden, Swedish, we call it a kapell. I actually don't know the name in English. It's like, it's like a zipped up, it's like a thick kind of sailor's fabric. So you can close in the back of the boat if it's raining or if it's really windy. And he had to take that off and then put the boat away and then cover the boat and with tarp and all this kind of stuff that he was doing. And then the other day, like not so long ago, a couple, yeah, maybe a month ago, I was in the garage looking for something. And I see that this like cover of the boat is standing there and I can see it from afar. I'm like, this, this is, this is covered in mold. 
So I guess like because it rained a lot after the summer, that thing just started molding. And it's like this big moldy thing, like actively moldy thing sitting in the middle of our garage where we have our stuff, right? And I lose it. Like, okay, because like for me, this is such a, like how, how can you see that this has mold and you still put it in the garage? And he's like, I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. You know, I, I didn't, I'm like, what? Like all mold is bad. Like, why would you put that in? The, like, you have to throw this away. He's like, no, like this is a super expensive thing. And then we had a fight about this silly thing that doesn't matter, which is like this cover for this boat, because I am really appalled. How could you put that in the garage? And he just wasn't thinking because he he's moved on, right? He's like not living in mold world anymore. So little stuff like that has happened where I'm just like, okay, I take a breath, like, okay, this is fine. We don't have to fight about it. This, you just have to take that out and throw it away, right? Because it's, it's, we can't have something mold. Like, have we learned nothing? Like, that's where I am. And he's like, don't talk to me about mold, (laughs) you know? So little stuff like that has kind of happened. And uh, other than that, like our relationship has been really good, but we are, I at least am very aware of, we have this thing that eventually we're going to have to get into, but Dennis doesn't want to open that door. And I get that. Like, I get it. We're done with this. Like, why do we have to rehash it? But it is this area that like doesn't, that isn't healed for us. It just, it, it isn't. And I had that feeling just at some point, we're going to have to sit with this and talk this through. Because when I think back of the bizarreness of last year, the fact that we haven't been in therapy about this is crazy. I mean, it really is. It really is. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. So anyway, we land at Aruba Airport and Dennis does this thing that he just thinks is so great (laughs) that I am so annoyed by where he often leaves our car. We have our car in Aruba. It's our old studio car. It's a white truck, a white Toyota truck that he really loves. It's like, yeah, for some reason, he just, he really, really loves this car. It's the only car we have in Aruba. We sold my car, his car we brought to Sweden. This was our like studio car. And now it's, it's our Aruba car now. And he does this thing that he thinks is so smart and genius that I'm really annoyed by because I just have a feeling something, something's not going to go right where he leaves the car at the airport for long stretches of time. And, and he's so happy about it. It's like, it's so great. It's super safe. The car can, it's like long-term, you can park your car and it's really, really, really cheap. And I don't think the airport is meant for that. I don't think they want people to long-term for like months, park their car there, but it's like a glitch in the system, I think. So if you park your car for, for too long, all you do to pick up your car is you pay 35 bucks and then you drive away. Like it's not even a thing. And he thinks this is so smart because it means that every time we land on the island, we just, we have our car there, like no big deal. And sometimes he has a friend who like borrows the car or it's not like it stands there. For, it's not like it's been there for a year, but it's been there for long stretches of time. And now we, we were going there now. And I said, how are we getting from the airport? He says, yeah, of course the car's there. Like I thought ahead because he's been to Aruba a couple times this year. So we land and it's late at night. It's been a 20 hour trip. You know, it's like a really long journey to go from Sweden to Aruba. No one has slept. Like we're really tired. And 
we go to the car with our suitcases and he's like, Hey, you guys get into the car. Um, can you just start the car and make sure it's running? Like it, it, it hasn't been running for a while. Just make sure it works. And I'm going to go get my bikes. Cause he came with two bikes and you have to pick them up from the other place. I'm just going to go get my bikes. And then, yeah, I'll meet you back at the car. I'm like, okay. So I, I strap Leia in, open the car door just, just to put Leia in the car seat. And I'm hit with this feeling. Okay. <laughs> it's not a smell. It's not a something I see. It's a feeling. It's like, I don't really want to be in this car, <laughs> but I have no logical reason to, to, to trust that. Right. It's just a feeling. I don't want to be in this car. And I don't know if it's like, I just know it's been standing here a long time. So I don't want to be in this car, but like, whatever, like we have to get home. Come on. I strap Leia in, I put the stuff in, I sit down in the passenger seat and 10 seconds in, I'm like, my butt is wet. <laughs> and so there was like some papers that I had accidentally set on. I picked the papers up and they're wet, like wet. And I just like, oh, oh no, <laughs> oh no, oh no, oh no. I get out of the car, I pull Leia out and I'm like, stay here, like just on the outside of the car. And I, it's dark, right? I can't see anything. I take my flashlight on my phone and I just like start shining into the car. The car is covered in mold. <laughs> the car, the car is covered in mold. I am not making this up. Okay. I can show you the pictures. The car is covered floor to ceiling, every seat belt, all the seats, like front and back of the seats, the roof of the car, like it's covered in white mold. It's, it's, it's not just like, it feels a little funky, this car, you know, if a car has been like a little humid, you just like, oh, it's like a little funky in here. No, it's visible like mold covering every inch of fabric in this car. Like it is, and these are like the fabric kind of seats. It's not leather seats in this car. And <laughs> Dennis said, <laughs> he was laughing about this later. It took 48 hours for us to laugh. Okay. I just have to say, I'm not like going to pretend like this was chill. It was not chill. Okay. He said, like, I just like, like he was coming back with the, with the bikes. I'm like, the car is full of mold. Uh, we're going to take a cab. And I just like took Leia's hand and like walked to the taxi line. <laughs> he was like, it took you all of like 15 seconds to just like, nope, <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> this is not happening. I walked to the taxi station like, we are not getting into this car. Like this does not happen. <laughs> but I mean, I think about this now we left here a year ago, we fled the mold, right? And then we've had one year of peace, but we haven't really had one year of healing the trauma of the mold of healing the cracks in our relationship that happened because of the mold of healing the emotional stuff that we went through. Like we haven't, we haven't talked about it. We haven't gone to therapy about it. We found a place to ground and a good place to be and to love each other and to be close again, but we haven't healed the deep stuff, right? So we fled the mold a year ago. We land and step back into mold. Like that's exactly what happened. And I had to laugh. Like I had to, as soon as I could laugh about it, I'm like, this is like, it's a cosmic joke. It's so fucking obvious. The universe is going, okay, well, here you go. 
you know, you're not done with this. Like this is still very much alive in this relationship. It's alive inside of you, inside of him. You haven't dealt with this. You haven't fixed this. You haven't healed this. Here you go. Because <laughs> of course, the only way to really heal it is to open the can of worms back up and be with it, right? And sit with the gritty of it and really hold the truth of like, yeah, we're not done with this. And it just became such a, oh my God. So we put our suitcases in the back of the truck. Thank God we could do that. Um, but then for me, I'm like back in this, like, okay, I sat in that car. Like that means that there's not only like mycotoxins on my clothes and in my hair, but there's visible mold. Like like my pants, I had black yoga pants on. They were stained white with mold. And for a person that has mold illness, this is like... If, you, if you're not getting the mold, if you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about, or if you think this whole podcast, I sound like crazy, um, imagine you are severely allergic to something. Just imagine like you're severely allergic to peanuts, like severely, you know, like you're so allergic to peanuts. And then you, you sit down in a car and it's just crusted with peanuts. <laughs> It's just like peanut dust everywhere and the floors and the seats. It's just everywhere. You're breathing in peanut air and you're allergic to peanuts. Like that's the feeling. Anyone who's allergic, like I hope you can kind of get it. It's not, it's not chill. It's not, this is not a big deal. It's not just wipe it off and drive away. No, 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 it's not okay. It's not okay. So the reason this had happened is it has rained for 42 days straight in the country that never, ever, it never rains here. And obviously there is a leak somewhere in the car that we didn't know about because we've never had the car parked outside and it has, shouldn't have been outside for long stretches of time, whatever. I'm not going to like, you know, go deeper into that, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just full of mold. So anyway, we come home, we take a cab and I, we get to our house, <laughs> the new house from a year and a half ago that I told you I was going to tell the story about and I didn't even get there yet. I'm so sorry. Um, and then of course I'm back in my like mold brain where I know we have to strip naked here before we get into the house. We go in around the other side from the pool, get our clothes off. I'm very carefully putting my clothes like in a corner of the patio, knowing that, okay, I'm going to have to wash this with borax like three or four cycles later. And I have a feeling like I'm like, I think maybe like I had boots on and Leah had sneakers. I'm like, we were in there for like 15, 20 seconds, like, and our boots were not on the, like they were not physically on the fabric where the mold was. So I'm like, I have a feeling I can still clean them. Like we don't have to throw them away. This is like very quick, but I'm like in that mindset already. So I put our shoes separate knowing I'm going to have to deal with them in a different way. I can't just like throw them in the washing machine go through all this stuff, you know, and then Dennis like drove with the windows down, heartbroken, because he now knows like we are not going to get in this car. And this is our one car in Aruba. And we yeah, and then yeah, Leia and I fell asleep really early. He stayed up later. I mean, we were super, super tired. And I wake up the next day and all of Dennis's clothes are covering my shoes and Leia's shoes. And like he didn't, he just, he doesn't have the same type of like hypervigilant thinking that I do. So we wake up and we're like in a fight about mold right away. And he says, I don't care what you say. I'm going to fix this car and we're going to drive it. This is going to be our, our Aruba car. And I'm like, no, like, that's just like, this is a hard like boundary for me. This is like, there's no way unless you're going to no, it's just, there's no way. Like you need to replace the interior of that car 
replace the inner lining of the roof and sell it and get rid of it. Like, I don't care what you do, but like you need to, like we are not going to drive. Like the mold sick people are not going to drive in a car that was once like visibly covered in mold. Like, of course not. And he can't accept, like he can't. And it didn't matter like what I said. I'm like, darling, like it's just not going to happen. Like we've been through this, you know where we've been. I'm not going to risk my health again. Like it's been so long detoxing from this shit. It's just a no. And for him, this became like the one point. This became the straw that broke the camel's back. This became the mold that broke this man. (laughs) I don't know. So we just had, like we had 48 hours arriving here to this island fighting, fighting like we haven't fought in a year, fighting about the same shit we fought about a year ago, like really back in this same exact fucking place until like all of a sudden we just couldn't do it anymore. I don't know what shifted. It's like yesterday morning we woke up and and I was like, listen, I, we have to go deeper than this. We have to really believe there is a reason we left here escaping mold and we land and we step back into it. There is a a bigger reason. It's not just for us to fight. It's not like we're supposed to heal this and we wouldn't be able to heal this if we weren't in it. And that's why we're back in it. Like we need to really get to a place where we can have these conversations, where we can talk about this, where we can get to a place of resolve and heal. Because if we don't, it's like we have this fault line in our marriage now, this dangerous place we can't touch, where we can't go, where we can't ever have anything triggered because it becomes this crazy thing. Like we can't live like that. Like that's, no, we have to invest in this to, to, to fix this. And finally, yeah, he, he completely agreed and softened and then I could soften. And then, yeah, we were able to find a rental car and (laughs) he's dealing with his car now. I don't know how, And just that's where we are now. We've had one good day here. We've had 24 good hours here where we haven't fought and where we've just, yeah, like been in the sun with Leia and gone to the beach. It's been like really lovely. And taking care of this house, which was, yeah, I guess I started telling that story. So I should, I should share it before I close this podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In the middle of the whole thing of trying to find out where to live last year, um, we were looking for rentals, long-term. We didn't know we were going to move to Sweden. We had no idea. We were looking for long-term rentals so that we could kind of keep our lives here, even though I felt like this is a sign for us to really move, like the way we've always talked about moving, like this is now. But for a long time, we were looking for the next place. Like while we remediate and fix the house, like where are we going to live? And while he was looking... Dennis came across this, <laughs> this completely run-down house, this house in a really nice neighborhood, in a nice block, but it's like the, the eyesore in, in the nice street. It's like really close to the beach. It's walking distance to the beach. It's a, it's a nice neighborhood. 
but just this eyesore in the middle of this place that wasn't listed with any realtor. And he starts asking around, like, what is this house? Like, it's just this completely abandoned house um, that's just really obvious. Like, no one's been here for years. You know, it's just the whole front of it was overgrown and it was just kind of falling apart. And he said, who's like, like, who's this house? And then realtors started sharing like, oh, it's a really difficult situation in like, I don't want to get too detailed, but it was basically a, yeah, a couple that were married and the wife was from the US and the husband was from here and the wife owned the house. The woman owned the house prior to the marriage. And then they had a really nasty divorce. She went back to the States and he kind of occupied the house. Like he he didn't want to leave the house. So there was this man living here. Yeah, just like out of spite, I think, in a really just nasty situation that lasted apparently for years where she couldn't get the house listed because her ex-husband refused to leave the house, even though she turned off the electricity and stuff. Like it was just like this dramatic story about this, this crazy stuff happening in a family. And of course, Dennis is like, I can mediate between these people. Like I can, I can help them figure this out. Like I can, I can help, like I can like, like I can make this sale. Like I could buy this house from them. And all his friends that work in this business are like, no, like you shouldn't touch that house. Like that's just like a, you're not going to get anywhere. It's an impossible thing. And there was a lot of other things that were really challenging about the house too, which is why it was never listed. And then Dennis, he just told me, he's like, hey, I found this like really rundown house. I think I could get it for a really good price because it's owned by this woman who just wants it gone. She just wants it out of her life, but she can't because of the situation that's happening with his ex. And I just think maybe if, if I could get a really good price, like, don't you think we should like maybe just like flip it and see if we could recuperate some money because we lost so much money last year dealing with a, with a mold. And I was like, are you insane? Like, I, I think that was my actual answer. Like, are you are you actually crazy? We don't have any house. Like we don't have any place to live. And you're looking at a house to flip. Like, like this is a nice idea in five years when our lives are back to normal. Like this is a nice idea for people who have a super stable life and tons of extra money. <laughs> like we were in the worst place ever. And I was like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. But he really, and I think now, of course, like he was nervous. He was losing his anchor in Aruba he just really wanted to I mean he wasn't in the best place <laughs> so this but he felt like this was a really great idea and he started pursuing it and anyway if you've ever met Dennis you know he's the most diplomatic like fair just like all of his friends here here always say he should be a politician because he's so good with people he's so good at mediating between people He's really good at making people get along. Like he's just a very patient guy. So he makes like starts a relationship with this woman who owns this house, meets the ex-husband and the ex-husband's brother and the whole family and like gets into all the drama. And it was like, I don't know which, there was a lot of versions of that story. I don't know if the story I told was even true. A lot of versions of it. And then they don't want to, like, someone wants to sell and the other person doesn't want to sell. And then they change their minds and then back and forth. And then they had to, he had to get a power of attorney for the wife who was a, bro it was just like a lot of stuff. And it took him months. And then this whole time he, w he wasn't really keeping me updated, like, like the way I <laughs> feel like he should have in this big thing, because he didn't really think it was going to happen. He was thinking like, oh, I'm just going to go through the steps and see if it 
could become a reality. Because truth is, it's, it was a really like unheard of deal. Like for this location, for this kind of property, for this place, the money was just, it's not, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy good deal that you can't find. So he just kept thinking to himself, look, I'll tell Rachel more about it when when or if it's it's close to being something. So, so that, you know, he doesn't want to fight me about something that maybe isn't real, right? Because he knew I was really against this idea. So then one day, I think we had already decided to move to Sweden. He's like, remember that house, that idea I had like about flipping that house? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, like I've kind of like had these conversations with these people and I've gone to a place and I have a price from them now. They want to sell and it's actually really good. And I, I kind of think, I really think we should do it. And I think at that point I was like, I was still like, this is crazy. Like this is not <laughs> where we should be focusing our efforts right now. But I could also tell that it was just really, really, really important to him. It's very rare for Dennis to get crazy passionate about something and really, like even if I completely disagree, to really push. Like it's it's really it's really rare for him to get this passionate about something. He was so, so for it. So I think I was like, well, okay, like I don't think the timing is right. I don't know if this is a good idea. I feel nervous by the idea of like having a, like another mortgage, like that is not the direction I want to go in my life. It really wasn't a direction I felt like I wanted more freedom, less, like no debt. We were getting to a place where we like absolutely had no debt and now going into this and then, you know, it's like, I don't, okay, but if you feel this strongly that this is a good idea, okay, like get all the details and then we will talk about it. Right. And then what I didn't expect is that, yeah, like it was going to happen. And all the way up until the point of like, okay, like we're going to make this purchase now. I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> but it was one of those times where I just had to let go and go with the flow of that, especially when we decided to move to Sweden. And and by then we'd already been like the, uh, our old house was finished and so great. And it became this beautiful source of income for us. And he was really like, hey, could you imagine having two properties that we rent and what that could do for our family. And eventually if it like takes off and works well, it's passive income. We don't have to work so hard for it. Like that's really setting our daughter up for this really like solid life in the future. Like he had a lot of really good points. And one of his best friends here on the island has a rental agency. So he would help with all the details, like you take, he takes a small commission, but then he actually helps with the logistics of the rentals and the cleaning and fixing things if they break and like everything he had thought of everything right so I was like okay <laughs> I guess we're gonna get a mortgage to get this house that is a complete dump <laughs> in a country that we are now like that we've moved that we're moving away from to live elsewhere for you to renovate from across the world to then make into a rent like it was just like for me it was just like a lot of stretches there you know but I went with it because the way you do in marriage you compromise right and I definitely know that our marriage the compromising person more often than not is him like I am a very strong-willed person and and I think back at all the ideas that I've had in my life that didn't make sense to him where I was just like I knew like we're, we're gonna do this like we, we're gonna build this yoga studio we had no money we really had no money and we had no ability to take a loan. We had no loan and no money. 
<laughs> no savings to build a studio. It was a huge project. And I just knew we can make it happen. And that was a leap of faith for him, you know, completely. He was not 100% on board. He didn't know it was going to work out. And I thought back to all those times where he's just trusted me, you know, and even though he didn't know, he just trusted that, okay, well, Rachel feels strongly about this. Like, let's go. And he took that leap of faith for me so many times. And here we are at this time, at this after this horrible time in his life, and he feels so strongly about this thing, and I'm not going to take this leap of faith with him. You know, it didn't make sense. So I just said, okay, let's go. Let's go. But then my one criteria was like, you're in charge then. You know, like it's you, you're doing this. Uh, it's really, yeah, this is really your project. Like I don't want to have the headache or the yeah, the panic, if there's a panic or something isn't working, like you gotta, you know, if like, if you're going for this, you gotta do the work to get there too. And so the past year, he really, truly has, because we were on a shoestring budget. We didn't have, like when we built a studio, we were able to get a really good contractor who was, who brought all the workers in, who would project manage the whole thing. And we had a designer that we were working with. We were just in a different financial place also. And um, here, instead of doing that, because it's so much more expensive, he was sourcing independent people for each piece of the renovation, right? So someone did the roof and then another person did the tiles and then another person did the plumbing and then another person, the electrical. And then, you know, it's a lot of moving parts. Um, anyone who's ever done a renovation of any kind. I mean, when we did Island Yoga, it was, I was also very pregnant that it was so stressful and so hard. And he did all of this from afar, from another time zone, you know, like talking to people, negotiating stuff back and forth, like really doing things through FaceTime and through video and getting people there on time. And then relying a lot on his friends to help. I mean, it's really been like a community thing for him, I think, to get this going. And then he went to Aruba three times um, every few months to, yeah, to make sure things were going well and to really move things forward. And then all of a sudden, you know, if, if I put the moldy car aside, I told him, I'm like, I just wish, like, imagine if we just like, if that hadn't happened and we just would have driven up here it would have been a it would have been a pop the champagne kind of moment because that's what he did. He did it, it should have been this total celebration of arriving here because he has done such an amazing, amazing job. We when when Leah and I came in the cab and the cab driver was like, Okay, this is the this is the address. And I was like, No. <laughs> it was dark, but I looked, I'm like, no, no, I don't think this is it. <laughs> and I have seen this house. Like I was here before we moved to Sweden. We did a, a walkthrough here and it was, it was such a dump. I didn't even want to be inside. Like really, it was one of those things where like, how could this possibly ever turn into something livable? It didn't feel like that. And of course we had a mold inspection before, like the house had a lot of stuff, but it didn't have leaks and didn't have mold. Thank God. That was, oh yeah, that was my other criteria. <laughs> of course at that time. Um, but it's so, it's so beautiful. It's small. It's really cute. It's three bedrooms. It's fairly small. Um, he put a pool in the back and built a really beautiful deck. And it's just so not only livable, but so nice. Like he did a fantastic job. And now we're here making this house livable, right? So we are installing furniture and 
getting everything we need for the kitchen and figuring all the details out, which is just, a, it's like we're camping in this, in this house. It's a lot of details and things to figure out, but I can totally see it now. And just knowing what our old home, like what it generates for us now. So how we have it set up now, just to be a little more transparent about the finances is the rental of our home, like our original home pays for the mortgage of this house and paid for the renovation of this house. So that rental is doing so well and it's so solid that it can just, it could finance this place and eventually it will finance itself, you know? So I can see it now. Like I can see this long-term thing of Dennis is born in Aruba, you know, his on his mother's side, his family, they're indigenous to the island. He has indigenous roots that go back generations and generations here for him to own land here, for him to make a living here, you know, for him to have a piece of this island to give to his children as he grows older. Like there's a lot of his ancestry and his roots here. And I really can see now how this crazy Hail Mary, it really looked like that, like this crazy reach that he grabbed in the middle of a crazy time. Like it really was an anchor for him that no matter what happens, we, we are here. Like we have some of our roots always lingering on the island and he has created something so beautiful. And I really am so proud of him. I'm pissed at him. <laughs> I'm still like on surface level in the day to day. Like if we, if he comes home, if he walks through the door right now and he wants to talk about the car, like I'm going to be pissed. Okay. <laughs> so like We're still in that kind of like shaky place, but on the fun foundational fundamental level, I'm just so fucking proud of him, of what he's done, of this leap of faith that he took, this risk that he took, the work that he's done, the fact that he did this all on his own, that he did this not even like without my support, but kind of knowing that I was like not for it, you know, energetically. Like I was like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Like, I guess we're doing it. But energetically, I was like, I hate it. I don't, I think this is a dumb idea. You know, we should focus on finding a permanent place for where we are now. You know, I, I had all these ideas and, and I was wrong and he was right. And it feels really good to say that. <laughs> it really does. And I can also just, you know, seeing him here, like, Dennis grew up in one of the poorest parts of this island with a single mom who worked nights at the hospital. Like he comes from such a modest, modest place. And seeing him now navigate this and everything he's creating and building, it's so beautiful to watch. It really is. And I've spent so many years watching him you know, in the business with me, like us doing all of this stuff together that we've done with Yoga Girl and with the studio and traveling. And now seeing him on his own, doing his own thing, following his own intuition, like doing his own work for himself, just using what he has available to him in the place, you know, in his place, in his home. Like it's, it's something. It really is. And I'm grateful he didn't listen to me. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that, okay? He doesn't listen to this podcast, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, that's my, uh, that's my return story. The hero's journey, this little, little return that we've had. 
Um, thank you so much for listening. I love sharing these little storytelling episodes that I do once in a while. And um, yes, if you ever want to travel to Aruba, please come stay in this beautiful house. I'm gonna when it's done, if we get it done, I hope we get it done. Um, I'm of course I'm gonna share the listing and everything on on Instagram. Um, if at the very least you wanna look at the beautiful work that Dennis has done. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I adore and love you. Have a beautiful, beautiful rest of the day. And I'll be back with more storytelling next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.